You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yes! What is up, everybody? And welcome to the last U.S. Men's National Team Hour of 20. 21 22 games have been played by the u.s men's national team this calendar year two trophies the return of world cup qualifiers which we need so we can qualify for world cups again three victories over l tree and the emergence of more and more young ballers what a year it has been for the united states men's national team while it hasn't all been a bed of roses there's been a lot to celebrate for the fans of the red white and blue and me jimmy conrad and heath pierce are here today to do exactly that so the u.s men's national team hours best of 2021 award ceremony begins right now all right everybody if you're watching live on youtube i got four things for you i think four things yes hit that like button hit subscribe turn on your notifications and leave us a comment about your thoughts about this award show or any other video that we do for you with regard to the U.S. men's national team. And of course, if you're listening to us on podcast form or in your podcast or in your ears right now, maybe hit pause so you can leave us a cool note or do it while you're listening. Or you can press pause, come back to us later, whatever. Me and Heath are living rent-free in your heads right now. And we absolutely love it. Heath Pierce, now before we get into the awards, I want to talk about some transfer rumors, specifically around your boy, Ricardo Pepe, baby. Let's go. Apparently, he's heading to the Bundesliga in Wolfsburg. What are your thoughts on that? Your overall thoughts, just to get this kicked off. Well, you might be hearing a, a, a scan come in. Print right. This might be this might be the official fax it's coming in for, for yeah. <laughs> it might be a proper fax coming in for him right now, knowing that I'm the closest thing to getting this deal done. I'm I'm sort of the swing <laughs> vote, so to speak, as as one of the early uh, adopters of the Ricardo Pepe train. Uh, I'm, I'm one of the swing votes here. But yeah, it looks like Wolfsburg, obviously they've been in the mix for a while now. We've heard rumors about there being Serie A clubs. We heard about Ajax for a bit mm-hmm. there. Now, knowing that it's likely going to end up being Wolfsburg, it, it's a little bit alarming for me uh, for a number of reasons. Obviously, one, the form that they're in, right? They've gone through a managerial change. That manager previously wanted him, and now they've got a new manager in, and that manager wants him, which I think is a great sign i guess for him their manager being uh florian kofeld florian kofeld was part of the debacle that brought Werder bremen down uh to absolutely nothing uh Mm -hmm. and and now is taking over this club and it just feels a lot more like a survival type of instinct to hire a manager like this that that knows how to go through the ebb and flow of, of of difficult seasons this team by the way in terms of their form are horrible. I think it's like seven losses straight or six losses, seven losses seven, straight. Seven, okay. in all comps. And then if you go between that, they had a run of three games, including Champions League, where they had a win against Salzburg. And then they were on a winless run again for another like 10 games. And so they're having one of the worst seasons on record. Now, this could be both a benefit and a downside. Now, if I was a 25, 26-year-old, I'm like huge opportunity for me to come into the club, make an impact, do something, be part of something towards the future. But if I'm Ricardo Pepe, I'm looking at Wout Weghorst, who's their top scorer, their striker, 29 years old, Dutch striker, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. massive body, massive frame, their out-and-out starter. Uh, and then you have, uh, outside of that, you have the... Um, Lucas Mecca. Lu- Lu- Lucas Lu- Mecca. Lu- Lucas Mecca, yeah, who was at Manchester City. Still has a clause, by the way, for Manchester City to be able to buy him back to the club uh, at some point if they want to take him. And he's their second best 
uh, top scorer. One of, he's definitely their best player on the team right now. And so I, I'm a little bit worried about this type of move for Ricardo Pepe, knowing that I wonder, where does he fit into this team? Where does he fit into this lineup? And I'm thinking selfishly. Long-term, no problem. Valve Dicors, he, he makes his way out, or you eventually work Ricardo Pepe in. Great. But they're not a club that's in great form. They're kind of a club that's in shambles. And we've seen with Bundesliga clubs for a long time, it can take them multiple years to get back. If you go to the first Bundesliga and second Bundesliga, all those clubs you'll know the names of because so many in the last 10 years have spent time in both the first and the second Bundesliga. I don't think Wolfsburg will do that. But I wonder about this move, if it's the right thing for him, if it's the right timing, and selfishly thinking about the World Cup and me wanting Ricardo Pepe to get minutes, me seeing the drought that he's in now, is this the right move or is this the only club that's willing to pay the transfer fee for him? And if they are willing to pay the transfer fee, how many chances will he get knowing that Wolfsburg do have somewhat deep pockets but i don't know what, what what's your what's your take on it i'm just i'm just nervous uh, as of right well now. i think with regard to minutes he might get minutes but it's going to be like josh Sargent and Werder bremen what kind of minutes are those or even josh Sargent and norwich right now where because you're doing so poorly what you're working on isn't necessarily moving your game forward individually you're going to play against better players Consistently, you're going to have a chance to play against Bayern Munich, right? You're going to get a chance to. They wish they a, just got a, beat. They just got beat four, four nil. Zero. I believe. So, so maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe, I think he could start to Joel's uh, comment there. And uh, talking about quality service, I just don't know if Wolfsburg's going to get it. When you're in that kind of rut and you've lost seven straight games, you're really getting back to what's our team shape? Where are we trying to win the ball? Yeah. All that stuff's important. He's going to learn. He's going to. There's no doubt he's going to learn no matter where he goes. But this situation is very delicate, to your point, Heath, and I wonder if this is the best fit for him. I think he will get minutes because they need something. But they have Valt Veghorst, who kind of plays the same role. He's got six goals to lead the team. Lucas Mecca, a little bit different. He's not the same as Ricardo Pepe, but he's got six goals as well in all competitions. No, but he's an attacking midfielder. I, I actually like Ricardo Pepe linking up with Mecca, but I, I worry about the fact that he's sort of duplicative to uh, Veghorst in terms of being more of your out-and-out striker, you know, a tall, occupy the center backs, you know, and Val Vickers is a proper German center forward, you know, mm-hmm, big mm-hmm. body, big frame, um, kind of a traditional striker, so to speak. And so, yeah, sorry to jump no. in and interrupt your point there, but no, I, I, just, I just, I just don't know. I, 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 if they're going to spend this much money, that's a lot of money to spend on a teenager. So they must believe in him. They're definitely going to get the chances and eventually say, Hey, we've given this a full sample size. This worked or it didn't work. And I think it will work for Ricardo Pepe. But again, what do we deem as successful in a season at Wolfsburg when you're 19 years old? He'll be 19 in January. Um, I don't know, 10 goals maybe. Um, I don't know. It's it, it just – it makes me I, – I, it's weird because obviously you look at Ajax and you go, yeah, perfect team for him. But you go, they have Hilaire and they have so many other players. They don't really need him. I worry he'd be buried in the bench. But in theory, Ajax is the perfect club for him. But Ajax also has all the players they need. They don't need a Ricardo Pepe. Right? Yeah, it's going to be tough for him to get minutes off of Sebastian Allaire amongst other players on Ajax's team. To Epic's point, though, Epic made a comment that no matter where he goes in Europe, Ricardo Pepe, we're all going to be a little bit nervous because we just don't know what situation he's going to find himself in. That's true. With regard to Wolfsburg, though, they're not in a good situation. Uh, they started with Mark Van Bobbel and they lost their first game of the year to a fourth division team in the DFB Pokal. You're like, all right, all right, okay, way to go, Wolfsburg. Now, Jonathan Brooks is there, by the way, and I think we'll get into him a little bit later when we get into our awards part of this. But as we talk oh, about see, Ricardo Pepe, did he win an award for you? I don't know. You if got he him on an awards list? I don't know. He might. Right. He might have snuck all in right. there. That's he might. He might have found himself on my awards list. We'll have to wait and see. That's a nice little tease there. Make sure you guys keep those comments coming. Ricardo Pepe to Wolfsburg is the conversation piece to get us started. 
on today's show. I do have some concerns because, as someone mentioned before, getting quality service is important to Ricardo Pepe. He's got no one to combine with or link with. It's going to be very difficult for him to hit the numbers that we're expecting. Now, if you're a player of his age and you come in, I don't think you have to set the world on fire. And there's only, what, maybe Mbappe and Holland yeah. are like the two players that you could really look at. I mean, even if we look at Kareem Adeyemi, who's 18, playing for RB Salzburg, he still shows glimpses, right? But they are so dominant and he gets so much service that even he has these lapses where he's not scoring or he's not as influential as he had been and, and so on and so forth. Ricardo Pepe's going to be even farther behind that with Wolfsburg. So it's a tough, this is very tough. And, and I'm curious to see if they think and his people think this is a great situation for him. Yes, it's okay. You want to figure out a way, take that next step out of MLS into somewhere else. I think the Bundesliga is a nice league. I just don't have Wolfsburg. Yeah. It's exactly the team. And, and I don't know if he goes to Venezia in, in Serie A, is that, is that the spot for no, him either? No, no, I don't no, know. No, no, no. no, definitely not. Definitely not. It has to be a club. Like when I think about the, the right next step club, and the problem is, is now we're getting to a, an era where the American player is going to get so expensive that you're going to rule them out of most clubs, right? Okay, Allaire, uh, you know, was the most expensive player for Ajax in their history, right, in terms of, in terms of an incoming transfer. And, he, and, he's, and he's proven that value. But when you look at like a PSV or an Ajax, it's a lot of money to spend on an 18-year-old kid, right? They're not going to spend that. They usually mm-hmm. find their gems or their diamonds in the rough, and, and they're not going to lean towards Americans. Americans are getting more and more expensive. What I will say for this, for, for, for Wolfsburg, there's two things, there's two thoughts that I have, and then I'll wrap up my thought. One is I think he'll be successful at Wolfsburg. I think he'll score a lot of goals at Wolfsburg. I think Wolfsburg will be a, a good club for him. The other side of that is thinking selfishly about the World Cup in 2022. I don't know if Wolfsburg is the right club for him for 2022. I, I think we're, regardless of where Ricardo Pepe goes, he's going to prove to be a starter there because I don't think he's going to end up skipping and ending up at like a Man City or something like that or a Chelsea loan system. He's going to go to a club where I think he's going to play and he's going to do well and he's going to score goals. I, I, I truly believe that. But that's when he's in a place where he can control what he can control. There's a lot that he can't control right now in terms of the current state of Wolfsburg that worry me in the short term. Long term, no problem. I think he wins out. I think he's a starter. I think he scores a lot of goals. But in the short term, there could be some what if, you know, what if, kind of tough times. Well, what if he goes to Wolfsburg and then he isn't a starter and he is struggling for all the reasons that we've seen when players travel to Europe, whether it's not necessarily from the States. It can be from South America. It can be from Africa. When they make the leap over to Europe, it it just takes some time and you're not around your, your bubble anymore. You're not around the people that you lean on on a regular basis to work through adversity. You have to do that yeah. remotely and you're by yourself a lot. And, and yes, John Anthony Brooks would be there, but they seem to be kind of a different generation. I don't know how much time uh, John Anthony Brooks, who's out of the national team pitch, or at least it feels yeah. that way for now, is going to be like, okay, man, I'll take you under my wing. I don't know. Maybe here's he will. A, a- I, I hope that, but, but I just, what if it doesn't go well there to your point and he's not getting minutes we're back into that. Who's our number there's, nine situation yeah. again? There's actually a good point from Logan here that Pepe's gold drought has him worried. And he wants to see him in MLS another year. I would have disagreed with that a couple months ago. But when I'm looking at the clubs that are out there for him now, I'm not seeing any of them where I go, that's the right next move, right? When I think about Brendan Aronson, I go, okay, Philadelphia Union, two full seasons, you know, stats getting a little bit better. We've seen him rise because the national team rises a little bit. I go, okay, RB Salzburg. He's going to dominate the league. He's going to get a lot of touch. He's going to get a lot of games. He's going to look really good. He's going to get Champions League play. Hopefully, they make the knockout rounds, which they've done. I go, okay, that's a ladder. I see that ladder. But right right now with Ricardo Pepe, because of the cost for him, 
it starts to weigh into this whole like who's going to pay it, who can afford it, who needs him, and and I and I worry about that. And and then with regard to Wolfsburg again, they're not clear of a relegation battle. I think they're three points clear of relegation right. right now. I mean, everybody's everybody in the bottom half is in a relegation battle right now, going into the second half of the season in the Bundesliga. It seems like, if if I'm not mistaken, are they in 11th place or something in the league? I, I don't have. They're that. in 13th place right now. 13th place. Okay. So let me give you the stats. Wolfsburg are in 13th place right now. They are three points away from that playoff relegation spot. And mm-hmm. they have scored 17 goals in 17 games. And they've given up 29, which is the fifth worst defense in the Bundesliga. So, yes, when Pepe goes over there, they've got a lot of issues on both sides of the ball. And I don't think he's going to be this immediate fix. And I think it's going to be hard yeah. for him because especially if he's going to be competing four minutes without Veghorst, who's just actually scored six of these 17 goals. Or do you put Vague Horse and Pepe up together at the same time? I would be all for that if that was the plan. And you got you got uh, Mecca, Lucas Mecca underneath somehow. And then you play with him, who's got six as well. And now Pepe's like, at least he's in a support system where you know he's going to get a look or two. Well, but if, if it's just the- him instead of Vague Horse, then I'm a little bit, that makes me nervous. Okay, That's let all. me ask you this, Jimmy, before we get into our award ceremony. Ricardo Pepe goes in right now, January, right? About Vague Horse, they've obviously got some sort of plan for him because you're not going to spend this kind of money on him. Maybe the, the, the goal is to move him at the end of the year. But you've still got six months before you're going to move him. And you've got, you know you've got instant output out of him. Right. So you're going to work Ricardo Pepe in. He's going to get scrap minutes and then becomes a starter come August, right? So now you're going, Pepe's in and out of the team. He's kind of playing a Josh Sargent role or a Timo Weah role where he's getting the final 20 or 30 in a game trying to scrap out results. And then come summertime, you've got the break for him. And then you go into the fall where he's, where he's the starter heading into the World Cup. Do you think we've lost six months there? Or do you think that, okay, there, there's balancing the short and the long-term goals or something there? I don't know. I mean, part of me, I lean more towards fortune favors the bolts. And I think at some point you have to take a risk with your career. And if even if it doesn't work out to take that step, I think is really important. So as much as I can see value and potentially staying in MLS, which feels a little bit plain and safe and making sure you're on the World Cup team for sure. I still feel like he's done enough to warrant his consideration that he is still our first choice, number nine. And I think taking that step and putting himself out there. Now, there is that risk of him not getting minutes. I still think he'll be brought no matter what. So I wouldn't worry so much about that. But having a meaningful conversation with Greg Berhalter about every every eventuality, I think, would be a really mature decision, either from his agent or from him, just to say, hey, listen, we're taking this risk here and we're doing it to help Ricardo get better, but it might not be all roses. And, And really what you want, and I think we maybe don't even talk about this a lot, but when you think about point A to point B for a player's career, everybody wants it to go up. Right. That's that's but that's the dream. I mean, never happens straight line. Right. It's always you're going up and you're going down. You're going up and you're going down. But you still hope it's up on that upward curve. So your ups are a little high. And when you go down, you're still not going down like all the way down underneath. You're still kind of following that upward trajectory. But this is how it looks. And you just hope that as he gets up, he gets up quicker. And we just want to catch him at a high. That goes with any of our goal scores heading into a World Cup for any country. You want to make sure your guys are feeling great when that tournament starts. So I don't know. There's a lot to unpack here, which we could use Ricardo Pepe as an example for, for a lot of players in this particular instance. And this example I'm trying to uh, explain, but, but uh, I don't know. It's interesting. It's really interesting. So are you ready for awards? Cause I feel like this I, might I, be I, a segue. I, I mean, we, yeah. We, uh, otherwise we're going to go back into this. And we're going to do another, well, no, because on, on I think... which I would do. And, and, and I'm sure Ricardo Pepe's name is, it's not the last time we're probably going to mention him tonight. Who knows? Who knows who's going to win the awards with all this? We don't know, but we're going to start off, everybody. Our awards show is about to begin. The first category, and I should have had some envelopes ready, I apologize, is breakout star for the U.S. men's national team in 20. 
21. And Heath, I'm going to go first. Are you ready for this? Yeah, okay. Okay. Host of the show. Okay. Breakout star of 2021 for me for the U.S. Men's National Team is Miles Robinson. I know that Ricardo Pepe seems like the obvious choice. Mm-hmm. But his lack of goal scoring made me a little a little worried. And I just feel like Miles Robinson, even though, yes, I once wore the number 12 as a center back for the U.S. Men's National Team. Miles Robinson's doing the same. I'm a little biased. I'll, I'll throw a little bit of that in there. But he has quietly gotten better every single game. He scored the match winner in the Gold Cup final against Mexico. And he's been playing so well. We don't even call in John Anthony Brooks anymore. That is what mm-hmm. I define as a breakout star. Okay, and so I just want to give a shout out to a defender because I don't know if there would have been another award category that we could have highlighted his emergence onto the national team scene. Keith, tell me first about your thoughts on Miles Robinson, and then we'll tell me who your breakout star is. Yeah, so I just want to thank the U.S. Uh, soccer fan base because you know when we've made it when you can just Google USMNT goals and somebody's done the compilation of all the goals of 2021, which made it so easy for me to kind of look at all. Remember every goal that was scored like that. That used to be that used to be laborious work to right. be able to go back and watch all the goals. You would have to go back on U.S. Soccer, see what they had, go to go to all the rights holders and see who they had and what goals they had up there. And so this is amazing that you can get it all over the place. Plus. We're at a point where people just steal things now, so it's just <laughs> not, we're in the, we are in the compilation era. But with regard to Robinson, I mean, just a phenomenal player. And again, when, what I like about him, and he's not my he's not my breakout star, but mm. what I do like about him is that he was a breakout star, and that is exactly what you want in the national team for the longest time in the national team, and a lot of most national teams that you just have this extension and you and I were part of it where you just go on and on and on forever. It's the same people, you know, we, especially on our women's side, but on the men's side too, it's just been nice to see players where yes, Greg has tinkered with and he's given a ton of caps to a ton of guys. But what we've seen is the emergence and breakout of players who maybe weren't getting the respect on their name or getting the opportunities. And when they got the opportunities, they took them and ran with them. I'm talking about Walker Zimmerman. I'm talking about Robinson as well. I'm talking about both Robinsons uh, in in this case. And so I think for me, this is something really spectacular to be able to see a player like that emerge the way that he has, except he's not my. Okay. uh, Well, before you, before you get to your name, I've got to do a drum roll, of course, but for everybody that is watching live on YouTube. Let us know in the comments who is your breakout star of 2021 for the U.S. Men's National Team. And of course, if you're listening to us on podcast form, hit us up at KGolasoPod on Twitter. Let us know who you think should have been the breakout star. If you don't agree with me or Heath, or if you want to agree with us, that's good for our ego as well. We both have daily ego quotas, so we like the little boost. All right, Heath Pierce. What do you got for us? Breakout star of the year. I'm going to go with uh, Ricardo Pepe. Ricardo <laughs> Pepe. I mean, I, the reason, here's why. Here's Here we why. go. Now, hear me out. Now, I know I'm a propaganda machine for Ricardo Pepe. <laughs> and I know that I've got you on that train as well. And I think a lot of people are starting to see some of the things that, when even when he's not scoring, we see this value, right? I think we saw players break out before that were strikers. And you go, well, when they're not scoring, what, are, what use are they to us? And we're seeing that he's just got a different level of quality at 18 years old. Let's not forget. He's 18 until January. Uh, that he has that make the, has all these intangibles that, that make the team better when he's on the field. Now, most of the credit I'm giving to Ricardo Pepe is USMNT awards based on a full year of Ricardo Pepe, not necessarily with the national team. Now, granted, he's got three goals in the national team and two assists, I believe, in seven appearances, which is 
pretty incredible as it is. I know we want to hold him to the last few matches, but I, I got to go with Ricardo Pepe. 13 goals, two assists in the league, seven caps, three goals um, as well, two assists. And, and, and it wasn't so much the goals and assists, it was the timing of it. If you think about the qualifying campaign so far, the pivotal moment was Honduras, and that's when he arrived. That's when he showed up. That was the pressure in his first cap and, and delivered to me. Now, I know Miles Robinson is, is very, very well deserving of this as well in terms of just the way that he arrived uh, this summer for the national team against Mexico, the way that he's delivered for the national team uh, in, in games of consequence as well. But Ricardo Pepe, yes, he's in the goal drought, but he had the youngest player uh, in MLS to have a, have a hat trick. Most goals in a single season are tied for most goals for a teenager. Just all of those things together just re reminded me back. And again, I know those aren't national team stats, but all of that uh, together makes me really excited. And that's why I'm going with breakout star Ricardo Pepe. Also okay, because I, I didn't have anywhere else to put him. No, that's I fair. That's, I, I, I respect the pick. And I had a feeling that you would be leaning towards Ricardo Pepe. And I wanted to diversify our Well, picks if you and Pepe, I was going to go somebody else too. I was going to go with Brendan Aronson. Okay, well, Brendan Aronson is a good shout. We got some people in the comments that are saying as much. Yunus Musa was another name bandied about. And as someone correctly suggested, it's just nice that we have this much young talent that we can actually have a conversation about who the breakout star was. Yeah. And fair play to that comment for sure. All right, Heath. Now as the host, I'm going to graciously pass over the best player of the year award to you first. And I'm curious okay. to see who you came up with. We don't know each other's answers, by the way. So this is going to be natural reaction time based on what you say. Best player of the year. Okay, for the U.S. men's national team in 2021. I don't care about what happened in 2020, all right? This isn't a Robert Lewandowski Lifetime Achievement Award for what he did during the pandemic here. I need to know 2021 stuff. Who's your pick for best player of the year? Uh, wait, wait, Brendan wait. Brendan Brendan Aronson? Yeah. Wow. Is I that okay that. with you? Yeah, it's fine. No, Good I mean, it. look, Brendan Aronson for me is, is uh, you know, I guess, I don't know. What's the, what's the award that we're on right now? We are in best, best player? player of the year. Okay, so we had our breakout star. Best player of the year for me is uh, Brendan Aronson because he's just, again, I go back to the fact that, let's not forget that Brendan Aronson went to RB Salzburg, right? This is mm -hmm. not, this is almost lateral for, for Philadelphia Union. If not, other, if they didn't play Champions League, this is almost a completely lateral move. And he's continued to get better and better for the national team. He's been huge. He's been good in the Bundesliga. Uh, he continues to deliver on the national team in so many other ways. I can't. I, I don't even. Let, let me okay. see what his stats are in front of me right now. Uh, when I just think about his first seasons, right? Three goals, two assists in his first season in MLS. Four goals, seven assists. And then he had six and nine in the Bundesliga in, in the same amount of time this year. He had two goals in the Champions League as well. Again, I'm, I'm giving him credit for his year as a national teamer, uh, as an American in the national team. Okay. Uh, and then, and then, uh, you know what he's done with the what, what he's done with the national team as well. I think when you think about how crowded that right side is, right? You've got Timo Weah, you've got Yunus Musa, who who's played there before. You've got um, Paul Ariola, you've got Gio Reyna, you've got uh, who else? Brendan Aronson has made a case to be the starter when we've got a number of players playing at bigger clubs that we weren't even hyping Brendan Aronson. And this is again another guy that I when, when I talk about the breakout star was somebody that I think has forced their way into the national team. And I respect a guy who's taken opportunities and just said, I don't care if you don't see me as your guy. I don't care if you don't see I, – I know that you've got Gio Reyna. I know Gio Reyna is going to come back. But as long as I'm in this position – and look, I think he was average in his last couple of games with the national team. But over a full year, Brendan Aronson 
has been one of the most reliable. He's been one of the most predictable. He's been an energy and a breath of fresh air. As a pure fan, when I see a guy like that on the field, I'm like, okay, at least I know one guy. At least I know one guy right there. He, he might not have his best game, but he's going to fight his ass off to try to get a result for this team. And that's, that's the kinds of thing. I'm, I know I'm creating my own parameters for this award, but overall, a really, really strong year uh, for a guy who I don't think, if you go back to January of 2021, people were saying, this is going to be the guy. This is going to be the guy. You know, people, people were still wondering. People were still talking about his little brother, and they still are. Uh, but Paxton was supposed to be the, 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 the better player. They were worried about his frame and his size. Could he adjust to the speed of play of the international game? Could he play at the national team level? And then no problem just, is just taking over games. And so that's, that's my guy. Okay. And I respect that pick. Brendan Aronson has been uh, tremendous for the U.S. men's national team. And to some of the comments that I've read so far, I do love how he stepped up. And obviously, to your points as well, Heath, in the absence of other players, Gio Reyna being hurt, Christian Pulisic being hurt, it didn't feel like there was that big of a drop-off, if any. And, and in some ways, he gave us a different sprinkle of what he's capable of and how he can change and impact and influence the game. That's very Brendan Aronson and, and less Pulisic and less Reyna. He's not trying to duplicate them. In some ways, he is. But but he's really trying to put his stamp on things as well. And, and I appreciate that. In fact, he probably could have won the first two awards, breakout and best player. But I'm not going with Brendan Aronson. Are you I going with Weston, Weston or Pulisic? Because I saw Weston or Pulisic in here. And, that, and that's the hard part for me for those guys, by the way, and, and before your answer, you answer, is that there were – those are the guys that I expect to – I hold them to a different standard because of the, the, the level that they play at, the clubs that they play at. And they have the clutch sheen. They both scored incredibly – important and monumental goals for the national team this year. But I also saw a number of times where, where they hadn't. And so Christian Pulisic being injured gets held against him, unfortunately, because it's one of those ones where it's like, I could give Christian Pulisic every one of these awards, Jimmy. I could give him comeback player because sure. he's injured all the time. I could give him, you know, like I could, I could give him all of these awards if I wanted to, but I'm trying to spread the love around to players and create parameters that allow us to have a conversation or a dialogue beyond just giving everything to Weston and, and Pulisic. Anyway, that's fair. Go ahead and give me no, your two no, no. favorite are, guys are awards. You, are you ready for me then? Yeah. Okay. Best player of the year for the U.S. Men's National Team. Now, I'm not necessarily going by stats, everybody. I'm going by just kind of feel. A little bit of grit. Tyler Adams. I'm going with Tyler Adams. Wow. Now, this might fit more into influential player of the year or irreplaceable player of the year because I don't feel like if Tyler Adams doesn't play, I feel like we're a different team. And now with all due respect to Kellen Acosta, who played 21 out of the 22 games or something crazy this year. I mean, it's just unreal how many games that guy represented for us. But when Tyler Adams is on the field, we're a different team. And he has locked it in. Now, if Aronson's hurt, let's say everybody's healthy. Mm -hmm. Aronson might not even start for us, True. right? Because you have Pulisic, you have Reyna. Pulisic, when he's hurt, okay, we don't play as well. Obviously, he provides some incredible dynamics. And to your point, we could probably give him every single award. We could build a narrative around all of that. Gio Reyna, we thought he was somewhat irreplaceable. But, hey, guess what? Brendan Aronson's come out of nowhere. And we have some other options. Timmy Timaway has been very good as well in that spot and given us different looks. And all of a sudden, even though they felt irreplaceable, we're still surviving and, and in some ways thriving without those guys. Now, when they come back, obviously, we're going to be a better team. There's no question. They're, they're, they're still probably the, the lockdown starters when everybody's healthy. When Tyler Adams doesn't play, though, who else? We got Kellen Acosta, and I know there's not a lot of people that are fans of him. 
but I think that he does provide a service for us. But he's just not Tyler Adams. And Tyler Adams, not only is it from a playing perspective, but it's also the accountability. He's captain material. He He's the guy that, that can be the emotional leader of this team as well. And him and Zimmerman, I think, have really emerged as the two that have probably been the most steady in the leadership role that I really appreciate, that I do think has changed the the, uh, the complexion of our team in some ways in yeah. terms of how we deal with adversity w- w- during a game, like in-game management. And you need players mm-hmm. like him. And I just feel like Tyler Adams proved in 2021 that he has become maybe our most irreplaceable player. I don't I don't know. Maybe because Zach Steffen's got Matt Turner now. We used to say Zach Steffen, right? Oh, man, if we don't have Steffen. We got, yeah. you know, the the ageless wonder, Brad Guzan, who's been friends with us forever. But at some point, you got to merge. Sean Johnson, Bill Hamid, not really cracked on. I mean, Sean Johnson now, obviously, tremendous MLS Cup, and, and we love Sean. But was he really pushing Zach Steffen? Then, then the you know, everything else has felt kind of wide open. And then Serginho Dest, wow, he felt irreplaceable. But then we found other options. And now Joe Scally's emerging. Hopefully, he'll get some minutes here, too, uh, in, the, in the very near future. So I'm kind of curious about everybody's thoughts on my Tyler Adams pick, but it just comes into that irreplaceability vibe that that I just don't know if any of the other players have at the moment. Yeah. Thoughts on that, Heath Pierce? No, I agree. I think I think that's a, a a great a great shout. I think sometimes we 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 judge a player differently when there's not somebody pushing them forward, right? We look at Tyler Adams, you go, well, he can't be the he can't be the player of the year, right? Like, how could he? When really, it isn't that there aren't other players, because we do have a number of players that can play the six for the national team at the national team level. Yeah. But none of them can do it anywhere close to him. And I think that's a compliment that needs to be to be given to Tyler. It's just the gap that he's created between him and his competition and just the value he brings to him on uh, to the team on the field. When he's not on the field, that is a very, very different national team. And sometimes you can judge that player of the year by saying, remove that one, remove one player at a time from the team and leave the rest on. And who has the biggest detriment to the team when they're off the field? And I think I think uh, Tyler Adams definitely has the biggest detriment. The team suffers the most when Tyler Adams is not on the field compared to anybody else in terms of his impact. Yeah, that's good. I think I think we're swimming in similar waters where we obviously want to acknowledge the Pulisics and the McKennies and all that. But but I do think that it is nice to shine some light on some players that might not be getting that shine when they've earned that shine, I think, throughout the course mm-hmm. of this calendar year. All right, drum roll, everybody. Here is our special graphic made by the amazing producer, Des Norris, for our player of the year for the U.S. Men's National Team. Show it to us, Des. Here it is. There's Brendan Aronson. Look at that. That is goal against Canada, right? That's what it looks Player like. of the year. Look at him, dude. Amped up. Dude. That, up like that up. right there, dude. Bottle it. Put it into something. You know, let it ferment. I would take that fermented. I would take you know, fermented Brendan Aronson in a bottle any day of the week. What, what I really liked about that goal, I thought against Canada in the World Cup qualifying, the second game of, of the phase, is that he started that whole play and then finished it. Right? It was a, it was a throw-in that got thrown in the middle of the field. I don't know what Canada was doing there. So he does some pressing, he wins it, and then he continues his run and gets on the end of it and finishes it. I feel like that's Brendan Aronson in a nutshell. And, and I think it really cemented his status as, hey, you know what? We can count on this guy to, to help us in certain situations and, and to turn something into from nothing into something. you know. And I think that's, that really speaks volumes about what his future looks like as well as he gains more and more confidence, can, which is what can, we saw over the course of the year. Yeah, and, and 
What I, again, the thing that I love about Brendan Aronson is just the fact that he's got this Gagan press mentality. He is mm-hmm. from a system, and that system is so rewarding to be around because it makes the game so much more predictable. Even as a fan, right? You know exactly what he's going to do. As soon as there's a square pass and, or a negative pass, you just start pressing up, pressing up, pressing up, and then you got to win second balls. But eventually that leads to these turnovers, and there's just something about that energy that I like because – I don't know, Jimmy. Do you remember from your national team days ever playing a really good high press or really taking risks uh, for long periods or in a Gagan press type of way where where you were – there was one thing to, to, to press high in certain scenarios, but more on that transition game where you're constantly trying to keep teams uncomfortable and, you know, you could, we could do it. But to have some people in that system that yeah, really right. understand it, that have that instant response, that sort of instantaneous press or reaction to every situation I think is such a – a powerful tool that this national team hasn't quite tapped into yet, but more and more players are starting to buy into this type of press system. Yeah, I think it's hard with the national team just to dive into this really quick about how to get everybody on the same page quickly because more often than not, you don't have much time to do that. We had a little bit of time with the Nations League final. Gold Cup's different, right? Because you're around each other for a month, mm-hmm. hopefully, as you get to the final. And then World Cup qualifying, I guess maybe having three games in eight days helps you get on the same page very quickly. But you want to simplify it. You don't want to make it complicated. So if certain players like Brendan Aronson come in with an already, well, let's say, pretty good understanding of how to press, and you've got a couple other players that think in the same thing, then if the majority of your players know how to do that, then it makes it easier for everybody else to tap into it and understand when the cues are to go, when to trap, and when to drop off, all that good stuff. All right, let's get into... Our breakout player of the year, just in case you missed it. We have our breakout player of the year. I said Miles Robinson. And Heath Pierce said Brendan Aronson. No, you didn't. You said Ricardo Ricardo Pepe. Pepe. (laughs) I was just making sure you're on your toes, baby. There he is, Ricardo Pepe. Heath's breakout star of the year. Mine was Miles Robinson because I am super biased. And I actually think that he was quietly very good over a long period of time and has established himself as one of the number one center backs, which is very, very cool to see. But Ricardo Pepe deserved three goals and three assists for the U.S. men's national team in 2021 and scored some vital goals when we needed them. Or should I say Greg Berhalter needed them? Because if that second half didn't go the way that we wanted in Honduras, we might not have Greg Berhalter as a coach anymore. Yeah, and look, we don't have to stay on this too long for people that have missed this. Uh, you can go back and, and hear our arguments for these players uh, before. But when you think about breakout stars, Jimmy, there's been a number of them. Walker Zimmerman. He's not young, so we probably held that against him. You know, you had the Robinsons, you had Ricardo Pepe, you had Gio Reyna this year, you had uh, Timothy Weah this year in terms of small sample, you know, Walker Zimmerman, latter half of the year, Tim Weah, very small towards the end of the year. You know, you have a number of these players that you could could jam into these awards because it makes sense based on recency bias or all, all these other things. But it's good to know that we're not looking at a team from two years ago and then just handing out awards uh, like we would have done in, 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 in years past, right? It would have been the same players. Nobody knew, nothing exciting. And, and now we're seeing these players that at the beginning of the year, if somebody said, who's your whatever for these awards, we probably would have gotten most of these wrong. That's true. And that's why we try not to make predictions very often, everybody. <laughs> All right, let's move into the next one. I'm going to go first, Heath Pierce. It is the best golazo of the year for the U.S. Men's National Team in the calendar year of 2021. And I, hopefully we agree on this one. Going with Serginho Dess's bombasso against Costa Rica at lower.com fields. World Cup qualifying. Why it was important was because we gave up a goal in the first minute. Okay, mm-hmm. that was the whole Zach Steffen, Matt Turner debate. 
And Zach Steffen finally gets back into it and gives up a goal in the first minute. Was it his fault? Not necessarily, but still, it's not a good look. We go down 1-0, and in the 25th minute, you need to get a goal, I think, before halftime to get that response. And Sergio Dest, he delivered in real, real style, hitting a bombasso to get us back into it. And that made it 1-1 at half. We went on to win. Team Awea, it was an own goal, apparently, but Team Awea ended up scoring to make it 2-1. Vital, vital three points for us in this particular qualifying window. And I don't know what else you're going to pick. I guess there's a couple other options, Heath, but but I love Sergino Dess's Bombasso for, for not only for the quality of the goal, but, but how important it was at that particular minute in the game. Yeah, in terms of Bombasso's, in terms of Golasso's, for sure, Sergino, Sergino Dess. But I wanted to point out two other individual efforts that I think were deserving Here of nomination. And I'll make them short. <laughs> and, and this is actually good for you, Jimmy, because this you're you are also uh, on this propaganda uh, train right now. Daryl <laughs> DK's solo run against Martinique, where he just bullied three, four guys to score a goal. I thought that was fantastic. I love an individual effort. Mm-hmm, it reminds mm-hmm. me of the OG era's when I first got YouTube and I could find like highlight reels of uh, Ronaldo Phenomeno, and you could just watch him do these like full length where he beats like six, seven players to go down and score. Obviously, not the same against Martinique, but it's still a great run. And then Timothy Weah against Jamaica when he had his solo effort, when he hit the left footer off the, off the post, on the back post, beating a few players down the line and creating sort of magic out of nothing. I think those, um, though they're not golosos in themselves in terms of the finish, actually it was a pretty great finish uh, from the left side there from a tight angle. But uh, overall, Sudinho Des just watching him hit a ball like that whenever he drives inside is just such a magical thing. And to know that we have a player as young as he is playing at Barcelona, uh, that's, that's, I, can't, I can't disagree with that. I love it. I love it. Finally, I got Heath Pierce on my side, everybody. All right. We're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we have a few more awards coming up for you. The best victory over Mexico of the year. And here's a look at that goal of the year contender with Sergio Dest. We got the funniest moment of the year. We got the best yank abroad of the year in 2021. And then we're going to finish with the most improved player of Jim, the year. Yes. Jimmy, we can't go to break yet. This is we we this is the award right now. We just no. both won the we just got the award. Are you you going to announce this when we get back? It's on what? the screen. It, yeah, I did. I did announce it. that's the one. We agreed it's Sergio Des versus Costa Rica. Oh, no, but th- but this is this is the actual award. Okay, fine. Sorry, 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 sorry. US Men's National Team Goal of the Year is going to Sergio Des versus I mean, Costa imagine, Rica. Jimmy, imagine Sergio Des sitting in the crowd right now. Doesn't know do I come to the stage or not. This guy just went. To, this guy just called a commercial break. People are leaving to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I'm in the middle of this. Did I win this award? English is my second language. I'm trying to figure out what's going on here. Someone's translating it into my ear like they do at you the award what? shows. I'm coming up on stage. I mean, this is I heard what, he kind, likes of, to what eat, kind of award show is this? I, you know what? I heard he likes to eat baguettes before games. I'm just going to get him a whole bunch of baguettes, and I'm sure everything will be smoothed over. Listen, he also has that bombasso that none of us can ever take away from him. So yeah. uh, I really appreciate Sergio Dest and what he brings to the no, national team yeah. table. This is me. Des this said, is me making amends. Yeah. I don't no, know what is going to happen. Des, to, to Des said he'd be dressed in the full the, the the full MJ kit that he did uh, on the day <laughs> that Messi left Barcelona. That was a that was a that was a funny one. <laughs> By the way, uh, Mark McKenzie told me that Sergio Dest uh, will text him late at night to ask him to order him uh, orange chicken uh, orange chicken from from Chinese food places whenever they're together in camp. But he always goes to Mark. Mark has like the Uber Eats account or whatever. And Sergio <laughs> doesn't. So he asks him like multiple times almost every night. He wants orange chicken and he has to order it for him. Apparently, I respect it. I respect yeah, it. I was great. a big orange uh, chicken eater back in the day when I was playing uh, as well. I can't eat it now. That hurts my stomach. Maybe that makes me feel, <laughs> it makes me feel old. All right, everybody. Going to take a quick break for podcasts. We'll be back with you very quickly. And if you're on YouTube, we're going to be right back just after this. 
eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the K. Golasso podcast. This is the U.S. Men's National Team Hour. Here are two of your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team players, according to us. Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce. Heath, we got a few more awards. It's our last show of 2021. So we have to look back and reflect on everything that Mm -hmm. we saw and absorbed over the year. Now, I'm going to come to you first. But before we do, if you're watching on the YouTubes, hit that like button, hit subscribe, turn on your notifications, leave us a comment about your thoughts about the show, anything you want to see in the future. We love to engage with you guys in the community and in the chat. If you're listening on podcast form, hit us up on Twitter, at Pod, so we can continue the conversation on that lovely platform. All right, Heath Pierce, best victory over Mexico of the year. We beat them three times. El Tree in the mud right now. Which one was your favorite? Which one was the most important? Which one was the best? Oh, and then I'll give you man. mine. Ready? Go. Yeah. Uh, I'm going with the uh, the uh, uh, Nations League final. Nations That's the one League I'm going final. Yeah. Wow. Now, this, this, this kicked off the rivalry again, right? We had two deficits to overcome. We had to block a penalty in the end. Uh, um, Christian Pulisic had to put one top bends and then celebrate with the sh- sh- finger. Uh, it was... Uh, <laughs> It was, just, it was just amazing. There was projectiles. Herrera should have been sent off in that game. There was airs uh, from the national team. Mark McKenzie makes a mistake very early on in the game. Um, what else happened in that game? Oh, Hector Moreno had that goal called back uh, just after that. That would have put them up 2-0. Uh, it was just one of those insane things that I was like, we came out of, uh, on the back of that realizing that, oh, we, we do have a number of big players that are big stars at big clubs around the world, but what's going to help us win these games is fighting fighting and teamwork, which I think tapped right back into the national team spirit that I think may have been missing for a while as they were trying to build a new identity with this young crowd. And I think that's kicked off this new rivalry with Mexico that we've been on the front end of so far this year uh, that I think will continue. But there was just this belief of these guys saying, hey, actually, 
Uh, we're all used to being stars in our clubs and playing a certain way, but like th- throw all that out, out the window. Let's just fight and scrap this out, and they won- we won. And uh, yeah, that, that to me is just, it's tough, it's, tough, it's tough to match that, even though uh, we did two more times in the year. Well, no, what about no. you? Well, the Nations League final, I respect. A new competition, so it didn't have the same gravitas. No, it did, though, Jimmy. It did. Well, it, it, did. Did. It, did. The, it did in terms We were in the, the middle games. of a pandemic. Nobody had played in front of crowds. We were playing in the U.S., but it was basically Mexico. It was all of those things. You were there, combined. though, so you're speaking yeah, to that it is like true. that. That is true, but it was, you know, it was the first time in front of this big crowd, and it was U.S-Mexico, and it was a final, and... Uh, no, yeah, it, was it, an, it was an electric game, and, and it was an amazing game, and it had all the elements for the shithousery that exists in CONCACAF. I mean, they ticked every single box, and obviously, we're excited here because the U.S. were on the, the winning side, as it were, but it just felt like the Nations League still was like, what is this thing? It just feels like a glorified, friendly competition. Then, I actually mm. thought the Gold Cup, with quote-unquote a B-squad, was maybe even more impressive beating Mexico in the final. Miles Robinson scored on, on a set piece to clinch that one because we weren't expected to do it. And, and nobody was really sure how well we were going to do or how we were going to play. And I really think that spoke to the depth that we have within the An extra period. time as well, which is crazy. Extra time, yeah. So, so you can't write these scripts. And also, I didn't feel like Mexico had too many clear-cut chances. So we were doing something right on both sides of the ball. Well, maybe not as much on the attacking side, but, but definitely – on the defensive side, and obviously I looked through that lens quite a bit. But those aren't my that's not that's not my winner. Oh, my winner okay. is World Cup qualifying, baby. That's what matters. We're trying to get back to the World Cup. The Gold Cup's great. Nations League final, cool. Glad we got that first mm-hmm. trophy and, and that set the stage for how we're gonna beat Mexico the next three times. But we reestablished Dos Acero. That other one was three-two. The Gold Cup final one-zero. Dos Acero, the World Cup qualifying, Christian Pulisic as a super sub, unlocking things for us. You love to see it. It is back. El Tri is in the mud. They thought there's no way they can beat us three times in the calendar year. You know what? We did. And we did it with some of our with, without some of our quote unquote best players starting that game. And I had plenty of time for that. That was a statement win. And I think that's the game that when I looked at it was the most impressive for me, given that it didn't seem like statistically we should beat Mexico again one more time this calendar year. So I'm going Dos Acero. Okay. I like that. I mean, look, uh, it's funny because I was trying to figure out, like, man, the romanticism of the Gold Cup, knowing that we were actually quite good in that one. Nations League, we weren't good, but we found a way. And then you have the Dos Acero, which felt really comprehensive. Uh, I didn't know which one. Uh, I didn't know which one to go with. But you know, ultimately, the people will speak about who wins this award for the best victory over Mexico of the year. Well, here we go. We got the drum roll, Heath. Drum roll is coming up. The winner of the best Mexico game of the year, after hearing our two nominees, is. The Nations League final! Congratulations to the team that represented the U.S. in the Nations League final. I may or may not disagree with this Look at that photo. Look at that photo. They're strangling each other. It's nice. Well, after so many years of Weston McKinney having somebody else's hand on his neck, it's nice to see it go in the other direction. So, there you go. No, I I, I, I literally was thinking about the Dos Cicero, too, knowing what it meant for qualifying. The Nations League one, though, for me, just felt like... I don't know, Jimmy. It was like one of those moments where, and, and again, I was there, so it was a little bit different, but it was just, I was a proud fan because it felt like we tapped into something that, you know, as we watched the tragedy right. of 2018, lack this fighting spirit, this belief, this understanding of like, if, even if all bets are off, the minimum you can do is fight for the crest. And if you fight for the crest, some of the, qual- the quality that we have will win out in the end. 
And sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. But to give up a goal in the first minute and to come back and fight, it just felt like we didn't deserve to win that, but we found a way to win that. And I think there's something really powerful in that that's led to the, 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 the next couple of results, even with a completely different team in the Gold Cup just a few weeks later. And then, and then in the Dos Cero, which was kind of a combination of, of, of everybody beating Mexico, got to do one, one uh, celebration game against Mexico and win again. All right. I love that. And I appreciate your Nations League final, especially you were there. I'm probably just a little bit jealous that you, you were there. You have no idea how much I paid Des to give me all these awards, you know? Yeah, you, it seems so like all of your picks are winning and mine are not. I, I think I was a little confused. I thought there were going to be like co-winners and <laughs> <laughs> there were no co-winners. I, I'm, I'm, I'm finally caught up. It took me 30 minutes. You know I'm finally what? caught up, finally you, caught up you, to what's happening you, here, Des. You, I just you want to say that it, for the record. You said it in the intro, Jimmy. The U.S. men's national team won this year. It was the youngest national team in qualifying. They had the most trophies of any national team. They, there's like a whole bunch of things that we did. The most wins in a, in a calendar yeah, right. year or something like that. All of these things. There's no, there's no wrong way to do an award ceremony in a year like this for the national team. Well, well, now I know actually how this game's being played and whatever picks you're going with are the ones that are winning. <laughs> All right. So next one. Funniest moment of the year. And I'm going to go first, Heath Pierce. I'm going with Weston McKinney getting caught for meeting up with a girl in the team hotel because that shit is hilarious. What is he doing, dude? What is Weston McKinney doing? So, yeah, there's a little bit more of a, you know, WTF deer in the headlights vibe I've got about this, mm -hmm. I guess. But in hindsight, that's, that is funny. I mean, that dude is thirsty. He is thirsty for some love and attention when he's wearing the U.S. kit, maybe when he's wearing any kit at this point. And I know he's a young guy and he's got to go out there and do his thing, but maybe not before a big World Cup qualifier against Canada isn't the right time to do it. I just like, what? But I feel like it's going to be a teaching moment. It's going to be a learning moment. And he wasn't part of the team for a while. He's come back in. I think he's taking this responsibility a little bit more serious. And I think there will be a silver lining to this whole this whole situation that that he'll become a better professional because of what happened and the way that Greg Berhalter handled it, kicked him out. Yeah. And I think that yeah. was the right way to do it. And that was the only way that he was going to be able to receive that message. If you just kind of, you know, babied him a little bit or did the kid glove stuff, and maybe they had done that in the past, we just don't know about it. And they finally got to a breaking point. I'm glad that that happened. I think Weston McKinney and the team are going to be better off because of it. I think it helped Greg Berhalter establish himself as a coach that doesn't put up with anything. And I'm long may that continue because I think that's the kind of culture you want to have within your team. So I don't know if it's the funniest thing ever, but in hindsight, I don't know if I felt it was funny. <laughs> it's to funny only because the team's gotten results. That's exactly. Then, you know? <laughs> it's funny now. But I don't know if it was yeah. funny then. Yeah, What's I yours? agree. It, I mean, by the way, on, on that, I, I know it's semantics here, but I, I think it was girls, uh, not a girl. I think it was okay. girls. I think it was a plural plurality uh, to that to that uh, to that. Um, crime that he committed but by the way on 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 the uh team, team crime team crime uh the the what i will say is on the same trip which is what i'm going to go with um my two nominees one of them was uh jimmy do you watch all the watt keys when he does the breakdown of greg verhalter's uh yes he does on the yes, yes yeah so th those are my funniest things that that happen around the national team is when Watkey does a breakdown of like greg verhalter's behind the back toss with the ball and things like that. That's, that's really funny moments to me. But the one for the national team in itself was from the same camp was when it was 90 minutes out from game time and Greg Berhalter was filmed running around Nashville. <laughs> you remember that right. video? And, and I don't know if he was doing a fitness run or if he was trying to catch the bus or he's trying to deliver tickets to somebody or whatever the million things that could have happened uh, was happening. But the fact that there's fans like kind of on a march to the stadium and Greg Berhalter is running around the corner 
just hours before the match is just so funny to me. Like in, in so full, many in ways. like a full U.S. men's national yeah, team. Yeah, full, kit. full, yeah, full it's kit, like, full like, kit the, wanker, like the coach's kit. Yeah, <laughs> like going, going for a run, and he's got his phone, and he's got the the dangling uh, uh, headphones. What's he doing as well? Was like you don't you I don't does he not use AirPods? It's just a weird thing Can to me. Can he not just stay in the hotel yeah. treadmill or something? Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it was it was it was wild. But I I, I just when I saw I it, I laughed that. and I watched it over and over again. Where I'm just like, <laughs> this is so bizarre. What a what a trip. And I'm pretty sure this is the same trip that Weston got sent home on. That's um, it. That's and true. then and then and then Greg Berhalter uh, is running through the streets. It was just a very bizarre out of body experience for me. All right, I respect that one, and I forgot that that happened with Greg. So. Let's get into it, everybody. Drum roll happening. The funniest moment of the year in U.S. men's national team in 2021 was... Man in the mirror. Oh, Whoa, out wow. of nowhere. Yeah, Man that was in good. The mirror. Basically saying what Memo Ochoa said, that the U.S. is trying to copy what uh, Mexico is doing. And they should look at themselves in the mirror or whatever he said. That led to Christian Pulisic then scoring against Memo Ochoa and putting man in the mirror on his shirt. That was a pretty funny moment. Fair play to Christian yeah. Pulisic. He, he's, a, he's a photo opportunity all the time, anytime he plays. Yeah, that that is only that only comes of like clutch genes. When I always looked at like, you know, okay, Kaka always wore the the Jesus one under, but like there were some players that wore things during very pivotal moments in history, whether political or 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 personal or or whatever it was and i used to just think about it as somebody who would score maybe one to two goals a year that like i could be wearing the same shirt for months before i get a chance to take off the shirt and show the undershirt and the fact that memo ochoa made that comment and then just a day later yeah. he's wearing it on a shirt and then scores the goal coming yeah. off of the bench to then rub it in their noses to me is just such a clutch gene it's such I, it's like it's 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 monumental for the growth of the game in the U.S. to have a guy deliver on that. You know, granted, he could have also not scored. It's kind of it's kind of Zlatan esque. We could we yeah. could say right. I mean, there's it's a little amazing. bit of Zlatan in there. Yeah, where you yeah, actually because you have to deliver. You have to deliver. You can talk the talk, but only a handful can walk the walk. And I think Christian Pulisic, to your point, has that clutch gene. It was good to see Weston McKinney also score in that game to to seal yeah. the Dosisero. Two guys that uh, had been hurt and, and maybe not playing as well as they could have in previous iterations. But uh, it's nice to see those guys back and feeling good. I will say very quickly on this that I remember when Eddie Johnson was going through a scoreless streak. He just couldn't find the back of the net at the club level. And all of a sudden, I'm like, you know what? We should just come up with some crazy goal celebration. I was captain at the time. Let's just come up with something crazy. So during set pieces, you know, you're just kind of walking through the set pieces and your responsibilities and all that. Like, all right, let's just, let's talk about what our goal celebration is going to be. And we came up with this crazy dance. I can't dance. So it was a big bit enjoyable for everybody else besides myself. But we ended up doing it in the next game. Eddie scored because it's like you start to visualize yourself scoring in a big moment. What would I do if I scored? And everybody's going to meet me in the corner flag. And I think that visualization is very strong. What and was it? What was this? What was it? No, it was like it was like uh, Eddie Johnson in the middle, and we were like dancing around him. I don't. <laughs> There's really nothing. Uh, I don't remember what the song of the of the of the time that we were yeah. kind of referencing. That's as good our, though. As our beat. That's awesome. But but there's something about visualization. I think that's really important. And it was cool to see Eddie score, and then he just relaxed and he started scoring again. But but it's just when you start to feel that pressure, and it looks like Pulisic did the same. You, you put that on a shirt, and your intentions are clear. Nobody else knows it. Maybe a couple of players that helped you make the shirt. But outside of that, you were going out there to send yeah. a message. And I think that was really important. So kick ass. I like that, that add-in about the clutch stuff. All right. Let's get into 
the best Yank abroad of the year. Heath Pierce, you're going to go first. Take it away. Uh, oh, man. This is tough. I'm going to go with uh, Christian Pulisic. Christian Pulisic. Interesting yeah. choice. Well, he won the won Champions the, League. He won the Champions League. I mean, yeah, there's just not See, only that. That was like a lifetime ago, by the way. Yeah, but look, he scored the match winner against Mexico twice this summer. Yeah. And is still had gap. There's there's like blind spots throughout the year of my memory of Christian Pulisic because of injury. And I see this at the club level with him as well, where it'll be like a six-week window where he's just not playing. Right. Uh, but then when you look back on the year and you put it really like just purely on stats and success and accomplishments, you're like, oh, Again, like we said earlier on in the show, he can win every single one of these awards. He can win a comeback player award. He can win, you know, um, you know, any any one of these uh, breakout player. You know, any of them. And right. so for for me, I was like, okay, I, I don't want to have it be the lazy like let's give it to Clint Dempsey again, uh, you know, type of type of award show. So I, I left him for for my my Yank abroad just because of his success in the team. I was trying to think of who else could have competed with that right you, th- you think about tyler adams maybe um obviously coming off of a long when you when you put Weston it in the kenny scored like a bicycle or chilena against barcelona at the camp new in the champions league that put that him on true. the map i thought i mean that was yeah that's like one instance though but i think he established himself at juve uh but i like that pick of christian pulisic it's going to be hard to go against you and i'm sure producer des is probably thinking the same thing as clearly he's the wizard of oz here <laughs> getting to pick uh the awards that he wants <laughs> Uh, you know, he's, picking, no, he's, he's just picking them right. That's all. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. I'm just sad that none of mine have been picked outside of the Sergina Desco. Now, I will say, Pulisic's the obvious answer, but I wanted to give a shout out. This is where I put Brendan Aronson on my list because he helped RB Salzburg become the first Austrian team to ever qualify for the knockout that's rounds of the show. Champions that's League. That's a really good show. And, and I think what I love about him in particular is that he's emerged as their top attacking string puller, not necessarily their goal yeah. scorer, but their string puller. And when he plays well, that just opens up spots or, or opportunities for Adeyemi or Okafor or whoever else is playing up top for RB Salzburg. And he's a good link up player. He also provides assists. He scores the odd goal from time to time. RB Salzburg are on top of the Austrian Bundesliga by 14 points. Not a big surprise there, but you still have to go out there and earn those results. And I think he's been a very important player for them. So when you add that into his influence in the Champions League, he started all six games. I thought he was very good in that first match day against Sevilla in Spain. They're just really starting to see signs of how quickly he's adapted to the European game and how quickly he adapted to the Champions League and adjusted accordingly. And what I like about Brendan Aronson is I think he plays to the level of his competition. And hopefully, at times, he'll get better at pushing the game when he's playing maybe competition that isn't as strong and still having an impact. I remember his game against El Salvador on match day one of the World Cup qualifying. We're like, ah, we're not seeing enough of Brendan Aronson. Now, fair play to El Salvador, who I think did a very good job in a low block to really occupy those spaces he likes to get into. But he's only going to get better and better. And I think he's, uh, you know, he's got a good brain for the game. So I- I'm excited to see how how he continues to flourish. And if, if and when he makes a move from RB Salzburg, I think it's only a matter of time. But I wanted to give a shout out to Brendan Aronson. But let's get into yeah. the drum roll. Here we go. The best Yank abroad. You've earned our two nominees. Producer Des, hit us. What do we got? It is Christian Pulisic. And there's a nice photo of him. If you can see it here on the YouTubes with him and his mom and dad as they win the Champions League. He's got his U.S. Men's National Team sweater on, which I thought was pretty rad of him to do and to wear throughout that process to really give some love 
back to the people in the States. But fair play to yeah. you, Heath Pierce. Des agrees with you. I agree with you as well, but I wanted to give a little nod to, yeah. uh, to Weston and Brendan. Yeah, this is like a full branded content moment. You know, you got <laughs> dad in the Panini America uh, knowing that that deal probably pays a nice little little check. No, but, but in all honesty, this moment was really cool because he had his medal around his neck, right, and, and on the front. And when they went for this photo op, his dad took the medal and put it behind so that you could see the U.S. soccer crest, which I think is such a cool, you know, Jimmy, you've been in enough of these chaotic environments when you win something that it's hard to be mindful of certain things and to make a, to, to, to have the, 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 the sort of, just sort of brain power at that moment to not get caught up in your emotions mm -hmm. and, and move that so that you could have the crest clearly was, 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 was something that, they wanted to do, you know, I always see players win these awards and they'd run around with their flags. I'm like, where do those flags come from? How do these guys have flags on them from their countries? They all have flags. And mm -hmm. then uh, this was our, our chance to fly the flag. And, and he had the sweatshirt on from the very beginning. And his dad made sure that everybody saw that. And I thought that's an amazing, amazing moment uh, for us. And it's hard to argue, you know, he did. He didn't start, but he did play. Uh, and he was a very important part of their run up to the Champions League final. And so disappointing that he didn't start in the final. Yeah, I was disappointed too, given um, his influence and impact in the semis yeah. against Real Madrid in particular. But uh, yeah, Tuchel, Tuchel knows what he's doing, so I'm not going to argue against Thomas Tuchel. But uh, yeah, obviously a big moment, not only because he won the Champions League, because Jovan Karofsky did it back in 96 with Borussia Dortmund, 96-97 season. But he didn't even come off the bench, and he yeah. wasn't really that influential of a player. But, but Christian wears the number 10 shirt for Chelsea, and I think it's so important. We talked about it before that all the kids, because now the game's more visible than it was back in the mid-90s, they can see that an American does have that possibility of going on and, and winning big trophies in Europe. And I think that's going to really plant the seed for a lot of kids to believe that they can do the same thing. So that's why I think it's super important. And nice pick, Des. All right, let's get into the last one. Hold on, Jimmy, last, last thing, real, real quick. Can Go I ahead. just say that I, that I do feel bad that Christian Pulisic just won that award? Uh, and when I say Christian Pulisic could have won every one of these awards, it's bizarre because now I feel bad for Brendan Aronson, because I think Brendan Aronson should have won that award based on the argument that he that that you had, and so I think it's a it's a hard one because it's a, it's a, it's a low hanging fruit, although deserved, and it's hard because you look at Christian Pulisic and he's out for like half of every. Dude, he season. won the Champions League. Uh, That's it. What he won the Champions <laughs> don't feel bad. Yeah. Don't feel yeah. bad. Okay, he, he won the Champions League. I, that yeah. that is. Uh, I mean, I don't feel too bad. I spent a lot of I spent a lot of money fixing this award ceremony. Uh, <laughs> so clear. I don't feel bad uh, at all. Anyway, All right, sorry. Last, last one. Most improved player of the year for the U.S. Men's National Team in 2021. Let us know who you think it is, either on Twitter at Pod or hit us up right now on the YouTubes in the comments section. Most improved player, which kind of feels eerily similar to breakout player. I think there's some room there for some clarification as to that. But there's differences as well, because I think if you're breakout player, you're a player that's really hit the scene and really influencing games. But you can be most improved and not have as much of, let's say, an influence on the end result. But it's clear that you're improving as a player. So, Heath, I'm going to start with you. Who's your most improved player of 2021 for the U.S. Men's National Team? Uh, Timothy Weah. Wow. Timothy Weah. Nice yes. one. Now, this is, again, one where there are some, you know, there is some hesitance to pick Timothy Weah because when you look at the sample size, it wasn't a full year of, like, a return from injury. He actually had injuries throughout the year. But just seeing him come to the end of the season, knowing that he was capped three years ago for the first time, you know, 18 years old. He's 21 years old now. He's still looking for time. He only starts about half of his games mm -hmm. uh, at Lille still. But seeing what he did in the national team, sort of finding that maturity. And again, when I talked about Brendan Aronson, 
talking about Timo Weah in the same exact context that it's a very crowded right side. You have Serginho Dest, you've got Aronson, you've got Ariola, you've got Reyna, you've got other players that could easily step into the right side in, that, in terms of that attacking lineup or a front three for the national team and seeing him come in there and, again, make a case for himself is an exciting thing. He's only 21 years old and uh, obviously went on to win uh, Ligue 1 with them, won the... Uh, yes, uh, big deal. Uh, I think they won the, the uh, Trophy des Champions. I, maybe they didn't. Um, but uh, overall, you know, just a really strong season for him. And when I think about uh, his uh, assist against Mexico, his goal against Jamaica, just big moments, you know, big moments for the national team to see him round out the season in a way. And maybe this is a little more personal for me, Jimmy, because I wasn't really buying the team away a hype. Uh, I was sort of, I was sure, sort of getting sure. cold on him a little bit. And, and very well, like uh, Logan said, uh, Kellen gets his vote. I, I thought about that in terms of, Kellen, but I was like, but Kellen hasn't become a hugely different player between 2018 cycle when he was part of Bruce's lineup and, and Jurgen's lineup and this one. He's, he's, he's just been very, very consistent. So I was like, ah, is he most improved? I don't know if he's improved as much as he's just continued to be very, very good, which warrants call-ups consistently, knowing that you are a consistent player. Uh, but improvement for me was one that I, in my mind, Timothy Way, it was one I was like, I'm kind of on the outs with this guy. I don't know if he's going to be <laughs> not, not not national team material because he's definitely national team material. But I'm like, is he going to round the corner? Is he going to be a regular starter? Which he's still searching for. Right. But he showed me some things uh, on the national team of just very, very straightforward play of just a couple touches, get that little window. You talk about this a lot, Jimmy, about just that, a, a, a space wide enough to cross the ball in and putting it into dangerous areas. And I think there's a there's a value in that. And again, he brings a different style of play to our national team than others do. And I think that range of abilities and knowing that situations are going to arise where we're going to have to call upon him against certain opponents, I think is really important. So yeah, he, he wins my most improved player. Who do you, who do you have on this one? I, I like that one a lot. I think he came on strong at the very end. So I can understand why he turned your head. Cause my head was oh, it's full blown well. recency bias. Uh, uh, no, but me, it should but, be. I mean, that's part of it, yeah. right? He's, he's hit his peak right here towards the end of the award <laughs> season when we're trying <laughs> yeah, to pick names. Yeah. Yeah, I, Lewandowski, I, I, uh, Lewandowski did too, but he didn't get the. Uh, it same wasn't treatment. enough to get him to the finish yeah. line. I, I have been turned by some of the comments. Matt Turner is a great shout. Somebody said because he went from okay. nowhere to being our, arguably our co number one, number easily our number two goalkeeper. So nine clean sheets out of thirteen games. Also, how mean is the award most improved when you were younger? Like that was yeah, the guy. Yeah. That was the guy. You know, that was the hey, no, you but that's very good. Well, but I don't you know. Got, I, you got better. I had this conversation <laughs> with. Uh, with the team I'm coaching here about the tryhards. Cause it's high school kids and they always kind of, yeah. they look down upon that the kids that try hard and I had to get, lay into them. Like that's why you have success. So the ones that try hard are the ones that get it, you know? Yeah. And you, you don't have to be cool all the time. Like you can, you can be cool after practice. Anyway, that's a different conversation, but similar, right? The most improved are also probably the tryhards. And, and, and I think you have to be, if you want to be successful at anything, you're going to have a, a time where you try hard and then kind of learn how to, how to, Use that to your advantage. Anyway, there's this. So Matt Turner was one. Anthony Robinson, Jedi Robinson, is is definitely have to be emerged. His goal against Honduras to kind of start that that second half, that historic second half we had against Honduras and San Pedro mm -hmm. Sula when we scored four goals. It started with him coming off Scored the bench. With his right foot, right? Wasn't he it did right with his goal? weak foot. <laughs> yeah. One goal and one assist for us. I think he's locked down that left left side. So God, that would have been a really good pick as well. But I kind of went with more of a quiet, unassuming player that I think has slowly gotten better and more comfortable. I think the talent's always been there, but I think it's less about his talent in terms of most improved and more about how he fits into our system and how impressive okay. I think he's been 
in that system over the course of the year. And I'm going with Yunus Musa. I, mm. I, I think that when you look at the midfield, it's been established. Our best midfield is McKinney, Musa, and Adams. MMA. And everybody, it's like a default. That the fact that you've worked your way from being a potential player for us that we could use in midfield to this is our default midfield. Tyler Adams, known quantity. Weston Mc, McKinney, known quantity. Musa was kind of that question mark. Is he the right guy for us in that spot? And I think unequivocally at this point, we can say MMA is our best midfield three going forward. And I think that really speaks to yeah. his improvement and comfortability within Greg Berhalter's system and, and with the group of guys that he has. So Yunus Musa might be a little bit of an out there pick, but we hadn't no. talked about him yet. And I really feel like when he's on the ball, we're just a little bit better when he's got confidence. He, he likes to do things that maybe other players aren't capable of and breaking the lines. I know we've had some, some commentary on him before that maybe he t- holds on to the ball a little bit too long. No, no, but, no. But he's great. I love Eunice Musa. So yeah. I just I just wanted to give him a shout out because I think there's a lot of players that just just doesn't start on this club team. That's the thing that only I know, thing that I, I, I know, I know. This is me off and I hold only it against about the US men's national. national. Yeah. I know this is a, he scored a cheeky goal, by the way, in the Copa del Rey uh, two yeah. weeks ago. And, and and when he got the rare start in a cup competition and not with the league, but in the league. But anyway, here's the drum roll for our most improved player of the year, and the award goes to Musa, I oh, he's done it. He's done it. He's done it. He's done it. I love it. Yes. Des Norris gives me one. Producer Des, I appreciate you. You're only as good w- as your last game, they say. <laughs> I will say you this, know? Jimmy. I will say this. MMA was not MMA until Musa was part of it. I mean, that's, that's right. And if that's in, in fact, but that midfield three only became something we talked about when Musa became part of the conversation. And he certainly had flashes early on, and we didn't see it. But just the summer onward, he took steps where you just go, holy smokes, this guy wants the ball everywhere. He wants it in tough spaces. He's unfazed. He doesn't seem to really have down games. He's just, he does things where, again, we've talked about it before. When he gets the ball, you go, oh, no, we're going to turn it over. This is a tough spot. He can't do this. He doesn't have it in his bag. And he goes outside of the foot switch. And you're like, oh, thank you for that. You know, drives past three players on the dribble. You go, oh, thank you for that. And we're used to not having we, – we're used to players thinking they can do that and not necessarily doing it. And he's one that you're just like, okay, he can do it at a very, very high level and his confidence is so good that I think – Dude's only you know, 19 as yeah. well. 19, yeah. he already has that composure and wherewithal. And I love his ideas that he has. I love how he sees the game. And I'm a big Yunus Musa fan. Yeah, uh, I, I, I might be standing him too much for, for some of you out there listening or watching. But uh, – Yunus Musa for me is the real deal, and I look forward to seeing what the next couple of years look like. I don't know if Valencia is going to be his home moving forward. I, to your point, Heath, I think he needs more minutes than what he's getting. I want to see him not be a, so much as a super sub and be a starter somewhere. So I'm curious because I feel like this could be a big window for him. Maybe he doesn't make the move this year, similar to what we were saying at the beginning of the show with Ricardo Pepe, maybe moving to Wolfsburg. He He's already established at a club. Should, should he go somewhere else and risk it, or should he just kind of stay where he is because it's already getting him minutes and time? With the U.S. Men's National Team, I don't know, discussion for another time. But uh, Heath Pierce, what a year it's been. 2021, U.S. Men's National Team breaking records all over the place. It's been an absolute joy to do this show with you and for everybody else watching. Thank you for being a part of the community. Final thoughts for you about 2021, Heath Pierce, and, and maybe some early predictions about 2022. Are we going to qualify for the World Cup? Yes, that, that we are going to do. Uh, I don't see U.S. Musa's uh, world getting easier, you know, uh, 
Valencia are on like a seven or eight game undefeated run. So that's going to be a tough one. But I do think we could see some shuffling of the U.S. men's national team players who need to find new homes. There's rumors of Weston McKinney going to Spurs. There's rumors of Serginho Dest leaving Barcelona to go to Bayern Munich. There is Christian Pulisic leaving Chelsea to go to Barcelona. There's so many things that are potentially happening. Hopefully they find the right homes for all these players because we need them to be playing. We need them to continue to develop because I don't want to just qualify for a World Cup. I want to do really, really well. I'm not saying we need to win it, but, you know, a good run or at least a solid performance where you go, okay, you know, we just got beat by a better team is, is all I want. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. I appreciate you, Jimmy. It's been a fun uh, USMNT hour. We appreciate Des creating this That's little right. show for us so we can do this every single week and talk nonsense with everybody out there who, who hangs out with us and, and dedicates uh, an hour of their week to hang out with us sometimes more. Yeah, well, make sure you do it again next week. We're not going anywhere. The show must continue. We'll have more predictions for you in our 2022, our first show of the new year. I'm Jimmy Conrad. So on behalf of Heath Pierce and producer Des Norris and for everybody here at CBS Sports, we appreciate you and we cannot wait to see you in 2022. Have a happy new year, everybody. U.S. Men's National Team Hour for life. We'll see you soon. Later.